This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed in this episode are not to be construed as medical advice. Mackenzie, what do you have on your face? I have, actually funny enough, this. We just launched it a week ago. It's called Supreme Cream. It's Zen, I got to send you this. It's send our newest it. launch. Send it's it. It's head to toe. What does it do? It's a foundation, a primer, a concealer, a setting powder, a self-tanner, and moisturizer. What doesn't it do? It basically does everything <laughs> except the dishes. It does. <laughs> it does. Well, you're glowing. This is, so this, is, like this is my glow. This is it. This, this is, is my, my, my new go-to. Okay. Now I'm That's looking it. dull compared to the glow. Yeah. No, um, you look fantastic, Savit. You always look gorgeous. How do you two know each other? So we met through podcasting. Yeah. On That's a, on the irony. <laughs> on a beauty segment that I yeah. invited her to come on and talk about beauty, Westmore beauty, her family history, her transitions, all of that. And I think it wasn't it, Susanna. Oh, Susanna, Anna. why won't you come? Oh. Susanna she, Mooney, yeah. Yes, who went through uh, breast implant illness. Uh, she and I are friends. She then introduced me to Zen, and Zen, you and I just clicked. We're like, yeah, yeah let's do this. Yeah. Beauty, here we come. Really? Yeah. The rest ah. is history. We just rest been, is history. I launched my show three years ago on WOR, and now we're the number one rated show on the iHeart Block. We're at like 17,000 listeners an hour. We get promoted over 3 million viewers and listeners throughout the morning drive just in the tri state area. And I always invite her to come on as a contributor or comment on beauty segments or influencer segment or even the mom stuff. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Well, Zen, what is your background? So I'm Greek. I was born in Montreal, Canada, and my mom is Greek, and my dad is part Greek, part Israeli. And Zed, you know that both of us have Greek spouses. <laughs> I, yes, I know. That's how we clicked. We clicked I know. That's like why. That. That's why we love you so much. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I'm. Uh, I'm a mutt. That's okay. Love that's it. cool. No, but I. What I meant besides that, knowing that you're Greek, your background of getting into podcasting. Okay. Since, so. So yeah. I and the listeners. I want to give it a little four one one about you. Yeah, let's do it. So are we officially on? Are we ready to rock and oh, roll? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Dr. Nassif, you're all over the place today. <laughs> I, I got to tell you because I got a little excited. <laughs> I know, Zen, you're throwing him here. <laughs> all right, you do your thing, Mackenzie, all and I'll right, pop I'll, it. I'll do the lead. Okay. Welcome to Demystify Beauty, a weekly podcast about creating transparency in the beauty space. I'm Mackenzie Westmore. And I'm Dr. Paul Nassif. Hello, Dr. Nassif. Hello, young lady. I mean, um, I just got back from Memphis, Tennessee. I like Tennessee. It was very hot, very <laughs> <Hello>. humid. <laughs> Some good old thunderstorms, but I went for the FedEx St. Jude Golf Championship and took a tour of St. Jude. I mean, that's, you know, that's my, you know, charity that I love supporting as much as possible. And seeing that hospital, seeing the background about how Denny Thomas started it, and then, of course, I was in their little celebrity golf tournament, which I didn't play bad. Then saw a few days, and um, I was hanging out with the biggest supporter of all of St. Jude's, the FedEx founder, and they're friends of ours, uh, Fred and Diane Smith. So I just got back, and we just had a blast. So now, back to work again. Back to work. You know. <laughs> back at it. And, and I know we have something fun and exciting going on today, and I know it's one of your friends. Yes, yes. I am beyond honored, beyond excited to be having the beautiful, the gorgeous Zen Sams. She's an actress, mentor, host of A Moment of Zen on iHeartRadio. So please, everyone, Dr. Nassif, everybody say hello to the gorgeous Zen. Hi, Zen. 
Oh, I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. I'm usually on the on the other side <laughs> doing doing all the talking and asking all the questions. So this is different for me. Now, is this your first time doing like another podcast? No. So I am a regular contributor on either Newsmax or Fox, and I'm right. always trending as the millennial mom, you know, giving giving my two cents about everything that goes on. So on my show, we cover everything, film, fashion, pop culture, cryptocurrency, cannabis, and health from the millennial <laughs> mom's perspective. And we're a live radio and a live TV show. And the way I got started, interestingly enough, was not at all in your conventional radio route. So mm -hmm. I have a BFA in theater and I'm an actor. And I was promoting a film back in 2019 on mental health disorder called The Protocol. And The Protocol won New York Short Film Festival um, Best Film of the Year in 2019. And when I got onto Newsmax to promote it, it was really addressing the mental health disorder in America. It was a star-studded cast. It was about a 13-minute short. And when I got on to talk about it, I got a phone call from the executive producer saying that his daughter had taken her own life. And it was a shock because the whole film was for her and about her. And so we had to stop the press. And when I got on live over 80 million viewers and 70 million mobile devices on Newsmax that day to talk about specifically this film, I had to divert. I had to come up with anything but because, of course, the family needed some closure. And this was happening in real time as I was starting to promote this film on this short, you know, short film on mental health disorder. Long story short, I end up going on live on Liquid Lunch that day and people emailed the show after the fact and they didn't ask anything about the mental health disorder or the protocol or the film that I was promoting because I minimized it but they asked who was wearing the jumper that I was wearing that day who was um who was the designer of the jumper that I was wearing and it was Ramy Brook it was like a red silk jumper and Newsmax said can you come back the following day to to, to talk about fashion or anything that you really want, because we got so many inquiries about your clothing. And I said, sure. And I went back the next day and I talked about women's fashion. And then they gave me my own segment called Women Wednesday and Fun Friday over millions upon millions of listeners and viewers. And I started my own segment. I was on Newsmax for almost a year and a half until I got offered my own show, First, WABC came knocking. We realized it wasn't the right fit. And then iHeart came knocking. And iHeart is Switzerland. They're not political. They're not extreme. They're not right-wing. They're not conservative. They're not liberal. They're just in the middle. And so I was able to launch the show, heavily sponsored show. And now we are the number one trending show on the iHeart block. And I cover everything. So we trend in edutainment. We are the number one show on the edutainment circuit, and we bring on experts and professionals, and we utilize influencers and huge social media, you know, VIPs to be able to tell the story of the very brands that sponsor our shows. But we are proactive news, not reactive news. So everything we talk about is disruptive and emerging industries, giving people uh, information that probably trends really well, but not easy to find information on. Disruptive non-invasive procedures, you know, psilocybin and MDMA for mental health disorders, uh, the rise of cannabis and, and epileptic seizures being cured as a result of the THC plant. You know, what does the metaverse mean and cryptocurrency for the small business owner? So all of these disruptive industries that people have a hard time wrapping their head around and what it means for them going into the metaverse, Web 3.0, cryptocurrency, blockchain. That's what we talk about. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
here's what I will say, Dr. Nassif. In America, the rise of capitalism created this new facet for men to dominate. And it's true. And it's going to tie into what we're talking about now. And the ways in which they sold products became a conduit to sell perceptions of the female body. Right. Let me explain. Standards for beauty were most enforced by people with status in both ancient and modern households. Status has been a consistent player throughout history. Those with status have power and those with power have control over what people see and believe. And in ancient civilizations, status defined what was beautiful. And in modern society, status remains the dominating factor in what defines the standards of beauty. And with the introduction of digital media, we have a new platform to display status. Powerful people share their likes, their dislikes, even their own thoughts, all in a new way of basically a, sor a source for monetization. That's what this is. And in doing so, the public buys into a perception that is being marketed to them. Companies seem to pick and choose what's considered attractive. And the capitalist economy discovered that insecurity sells more than anything else. Tabloids are notorious for targeting women's bodies, pushing a culture that acts as if certain body sizes are a trend. And in fact, women are still presented as sexual objects. We are objectified, we're turned into a prop for male attraction, and then used to sell products. Now, unfortunately, women can be complicit in their own subjugation. And we are. For centuries, women have bought into the misogynistic ideals of what beauty should be. And men set forth standards they wanted women to meet. And over time, guess what? Those standards became ingrained in women's lives. Misogyny is not new. It's existed since antiquity, right? So why are we still buying into misogynistic ideals when we have the power to create our own narratives? The glow on her face, the glow on my face, the glow on your face, all of these glows are unique to us. And women have now started to take control over our narratives and every day presents a new opportunity to undo the misogyny that has tried to dominate our lives. And we're in a position that no population in history has ever been before, one where the perception of beauty can be changed just by using our voices. And as a whole, that's what we're doing now. So it's for us to decide how we will be remembered. And in fact, her story, Mackenzie's story, the products that she's bringing forth, the new non-invasive procedures that she's putting in front of all of her audience and the fact that you're propelling her makes me so honored to be on this show because you are extremely powerful, Dr. Nassif, and you write the status quo when it comes to beauty. So the fact that you have teamed up with Mackenzie, for me, speaks volumes because you mm -hmm. are now propelling women and standing behind us. And so for that, I thank you. Look how sweet that is. I, I got to tell you, working with Mackenzie, <clears throat> she is a very kind-hearted, wonderful, you know, lady, period. Besides her Mackenzie, I mean, the Westmore Beauty, which is an incredible, everything she produces with her family history is absolutely, you know, incredible. But just working with her as a person, it makes this fun to do and very easy. And what you said, which is pretty intense, it's so interesting because I'm not going to use any names, but I work out with someone and he has that complete view of what you're saying. Very misogynistic. Plus, he's still more, you talk about, you know, his views are completely opposite of where we're going of exactly what you said right now, you know. And so how you can do, describe standards. So on your show, for example, then, you, you know, since, you know, iHeart is a great platform yeah. for you on that, 
you know, like when you guys are talking about things, and let's say there's things that might be a little controversial, you know, and whether it's something you do want to include, not, you know, you know, something you don't want to include. Do you guys will edit that stuff before it goes on YouTube? Do you guys, you and your producers, go through the whole segment and see what you want to put on YouTube or not? Or you so just the, put everything out there? So we have a very controlled 14-minute segment. When the guests come on, whether there's one or two or three, everyone mm -hmm. has their own set of questions. It's a back and forth, and it's very timed and controlled. There's almost no ability to deviate from the plan. And so keeping in mind the structure and the context and uh, the prep that we send prior, sometimes we'll even send the questions, we typically put everything up there. Got we it. will edit out the small stuff, the things yes. that don't sound unprofessional if people are repeating themselves. But for the most part, we are, again, proactive news, not reactive news. And if we choose to feature a guest, we are featuring them and fully propelling them. We're not trying to hold back who they are and censor what they're saying. They, it's, a, right. it's a foregone conclusion that they are VIP for that moment, whether it's a product we're talking about or themselves or you know a, a concept that they're selling or their own ideals. We pretty much put it all out there because because if we're inviting you we're giving you as much um respect and also as much of confidence that the information that you're going to be speaking into is exactly what our audience wants to hear and we vet out pretty carefully well that answers exactly that in 14 you know in 14 minutes you do that yeah Mackenzie. now you know zen now you have not been on our podcast yet oh yeah yeah many times oh, you have. okay so this is another question we love to ask, you know, like people come up to me and say, you know, Dr. Nasa, when they meet me in person, they want to see if I'm the same person when they meet as compared to the same person, you know, on, for example, Bach, you know, or, and usually I'm pretty much the same. Now, Mackenzie, knowing Zen, compared to, you know, her authentic self, when she's, you know, when she's not doing the podcast, um, how would you compare her to right now, exactly the way she is? So the thing for Zen and I, we've actually never met in person. However, Zen and I have spoken off to the side, one-on-one. -on -one, and with Zen, what you see is what you get. What you get. I knew, yeah. I knew you were going to say that. She is, no, but, but truly, I'm not just saying that. She truly is a beauty from the inside out, outside in. I mean, Zen, I, I, don't, I don't mean to like make you blush or anything, but you truly are an anomaly to me because you're so gorgeous, yet so insanely intelligent, <laughs> so bright. And those two usually don't go together. <laughs> and I always admire you for that. <laughs> so you, you are, you know, it's true. I love you too. And, and that's why I, I just, I, I, I love the woman that you are and I love the powerhouse that you are. And that's what I appreciate. Put aside the beauty. You're a powerhouse of a human being on your show and off your show. And I love everything that you stand for. And that's why you're a friend, because I just, I love everything about you. Oh, thank you so much. Ditto. I feel the same way about you. It's thank a love you. affair. It there is a love go. affair. <laughs> where, where, where are you? Where do you um, reside? So we're, lot, we're in New York City at iHeart headquarters at 125 West 55th Street. And right. I also have my in-home studio. I live right over the GW Bridge uh, in Brigham County, 20 minutes from the city. I used to live in the city on 86 and 2nd, but during the pandemic when I had to record from home, it turned into a mess. I have a seven-year-old daughter and 
it was not easy when she would run in the room, you know, and she was three and a half or four oh. back there. Wipe me, wipe me in the middle of like millions upon millions of viewers. I was like, okay, this is, this has to stop. I told my husband, we're leaving. We're going to the suburbs, even though I was completely against it. Let's do this. Cause I'm, I'm not doing this anymore in a two bedroom, two bath apartment in New York city. Now I, I actually, I've got questions. I, and Dr. Nassif knows that I am notorious for not going by any of the questions we're given. I always tend to ask questions that are like, <laughs> he knows. And I'm sure that Gotham, you know, <laughs> I hope they're okay. With, I think they are. They would have told me by now. But, you know, <laughs> I have to ask you, Zane, because this is something you've spoken about recently. And I actually didn't know this about you. And it, it, the reason I'm bringing it up is because of Demystify Beauty. You have recently been speaking more and more. And I was on your podcast recently for the CO2 lift. And I did not know that you had metal plates in your face. Yes. I didn't know that you couldn't do injectables, Botox, laser, and how you go about your beauty routine, I find amazing and fascinating. And and if you're okay to speak about this, again, we can edit anything. Uh, But if you're okay to speak about this, I personally would really love to hear the story of all that you went through, all that you're going through. Yeah, so it's quite some history when it comes to my health and my physique. Uh, it's been a rough road, but I've, I'm proactive and I'm full of knowledge and knowledge is power. So I've been able to take control of where medicine left off, if you will. In 2012, I had a trip and fall accident. I tripped and fell over a Con Edison wire cover uh, on 52nd Street coming out of a restaurant with my husband. I did sue them and I did win, but I did trip and fall. And it was a long road to recovery because I fractured my orbital and I have a metal plate under my orbital and four screws down my nasal passage. And the way they went about doing the procedure was Dr. Michael Stewart at Wild Cornell, maxillofacial specialist. He flipped my lip, cut 90 stitches internally, placed the metal, and then basically sent me home. I was swollen up to there for six months. I had disconnectivity in my in my nerves. When I spoke, I would speak with a facial pull. I was not at a good place mentally and emotionally because I saw the way that I would speak and it was it was just uneven. My face no longer looked the same. So I took matters into my own hands. In 2012, I, um, dr- I asked my neurologist what I should do to proactively get my face to bounce back um, to where it was prior to the accident. And she said, look, if you continue taking the Percocets, the Vicodins and the neuroblockers they gave you, nothing's bouncing back. So she sent me to a place between New York City, halfway between here and the Hamptons. And I walked into this woman's barn farm, you know, revamped loft, if you will. And she was an herbologist and she put me on high level THC dermablends, edibles, oils, everything that you could think of, different strains to control the pain, the inflammation, and the swelling. And within six months of using the oils, the plants, uh, and the THC products, the high THC products with a combo of CBD, but it was mainly THC, high-level sativa strands, I was able to cure the, the facial spasms. So that went away, the swelling went away. And then I stayed on high level THC micro dosing from 2012 to 2015. When I was pregnant with Alexa, she was born in 2016, but 2015, I stopped using all THC products because I was afraid there was not enough research. Uh, and then eventually I went back and got my medicinal license. But what really helped me was this carboxy therapy. So the CO2 lift, I encountered them a few years ago. 
Uh, but really, they came on as ag- aggressive sponsors for iHeart. And when I realized, first of all, I only take on sponsors that I truly believe in 100% and the products I can vouch for and work for me because I am just as honest as they come. I'm not here to endorse you know, BS. So it's basically a take-home treatment proven to have similar results to injections. And the focus is on solving anti-aging skin without the use of machines and aggressive peels and injections or cosmetic surgery. And it's beneficial not only to providers, surgical, aesthetic, medical, and estheticians, but the powerful anti-aging and aesthetic solution is not just designed for the face and could be done at home. It's for the eyes, the body, and also the vagina because it regenerates the vulva, vaginal tissue, and effectively uh, heals diabetic ulcers in in as little as four treatments. So when I saw the double-blinded studies that they did uh, of this transdermal non-invasive facial mask, right? Recommended not just for post-procedure care after invasive invasive procedures, such as needling or laser. I was, my interest peaked. So I started using it and the deliver, this, this system that delivers CO2 cutaneously over 35 minutes to an hour. I truly see the results, Mackenzie. I mean, I'm not just saying it. I I can't resort to that much, right? So for me, this non-invasive procedure involving the therapeutic use of carbon dioxide for skin rejuvenation uh, is game changers. Of course, when infused into the skin, it immediately diffuses at the cutaneous and muscular microcirculatory levels, resulting in higher tissue oxygenation and neoangiogenesis. And the blood vessels widen, increasing the transport of oxygen body tissues for cellular regeneration and anti-inflammatory effects. In fact, it's a treatment that's been around since the 1930s, but the method of delivery has improved since then. And be they used to inject it, literally inject it into your face. And now with a gel delivery system called CO2, it's game changer. It is amazing stuff. I, I, I mean, Dr. Nassif knows that I'm, I'm no longer LA based and uh, I had microneedling done on Friday and Lana, she reached out to me and she was like, put that stuff on. And I was like, oh, really? And I, I did. And I don't know, Dr. Nassif, maybe that's part of my glow that you're seeing. <laughs> well, because it increases the, pre- the, the presence of, of um, wound repair factors yeah. and growth factors, which help cell turnover faster, reducing the appearance of aging and scars and stre- stretch marks and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, it stimulates collagen and elastin production, promotes elasticity, helps retain hydration. I can't go in on and on enough about this product, but improving local metabolism and el- elimination of waste products helps the body heal localized damage such as scars or even acne hyperpigmentation. So I've seen this function in a multitude of ways, but for the providers in-house, like for Dr. Nassif, the CO2 Lift Pro is the strongest version of carboxygel, and it's only available to aesthetic and medical providers. It's, it's a medical monotherapy. So you could apply it to severely dry skin, itchy skin, sp- speedy healing of wounds. You know, it's, there's a whole system there. Either way, I'm not just here to plug CO2 Lift, but I'm telling you the system no, that I, has yeah. worked for me. I really wanted to hear your story of, of the metal plates and how you go about your beauty routine. And Dr. Nassif, you have any questions there? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sorry. How many years ago did you have the fracture? 2012. Okay. So the plate's been there for about a good 11 years. Yeah. So one thing, and this is something that you could do if you wanted to, you could inquire with the maxillofacial surgeon, is you probably could have that removed. You know, it's they done can't. its job. They, we tried, and the reason I only went down that route to remove it is because the last two teeth have a root 
stuck behind the screw oh. and it was causing and it was causing me severe pain so they had to extract two teeth wow. and implant but to extract wow. the two teeth they wanted to take out the metal but they couldn't because that would mean breaking my face and then oh. critical damage to nerves so instead they ex- they extracted both teeth and left three roots behind with hoping that this is not going to turn into a huge a big problem later but the maxillofacial surgeon himself was like I'm not touching this. Not right now. Wow. It was okay, nuts. Well that, okay. So that's a little bit unusual from the medical standpoint. So, you know, we'll give a little bit of, you know, just so that everyone understands what we're talking about is when you fracture a bone in your face, you're going to put a little bit of a, with screws, a little bit of a plate, which has screws in it across the fracture plate. And then you're going to screw it in and that's going to keep everything tight together and then the bone heals. Now, in general, when I go in to remove a plate, um, and I just did one, it was here across a big... But hold on, it's attached to four screws. The plate is attached. It's yeah. all one contraption. So if sure. they remove the plate, the screw's on the nasal passage. So they were like, it's better to just leave it. Okay. So I'm just telling you, if wow. you ever have a problem with it... I'll come to you. You know, because yeah, what you do is... Exactly. You get the screw. You get the screwdriver that <laughs> is for specific, and that's what you do. I'm, 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 that's where Seriously? it is. It says, well, oh remember, my you, God. Use, you drill in the holes and you put the screwdriver and you put them in. These are all medical grade screws. You unscrew them, the four that you're talking about, you take them out as long as you have access, and then you gently lift off the plate. And we do this all the time. So I'm a little bit, I'm, you know, just for your information, I don't know why, you know, because you can move it around nerves and everything. Um, you could actually cut it and take out segments of it. So that is something you can do, but you had the fracture. And by the way, you can still get, if you wanted to get Botox, you can still get Botox because you, just because you have a metal plate in your face. You can still do filler, a little bit more superficial to it. And you can still treat the skin in general with a gentle laser, minimally invasive, unless, especially those plates are made out of titanium in general. So the the filler, I've just been apprehensive to do with anybody yeah. that doesn't understand. And well, look honestly, at what I went through. But honestly, yeah. Dr. Nassif, the maxillofacial specialists are not your hands. Remember, these are not yeah. specialists that are plastic surgeon reconstruction. They are there to just fix underneath, right? So for me, I need a very special meticulous hand if somebody's going to do that and then follow through with extra stuff. That's why here, even while Cornell, Dr. Stewart is amazing. He's not a plastic surgeon. He's not going to touch my face past what I will allow him to because I know enough to know that unless it's your hands with your expertise, it's not that easy to just say, hey, go ahead and do it. And you're right. They probably could go and remove it and do all of this but the idea is what's the lesser of two evils is it bothering you that much that now we have to go back and remove and do all correct. of this correct and right. maybe in 10 years i'm gonna correct. say listen i want to do this because i want fillers or you're saying you know look you could do the fillers these guys can't do the fillers here they, they don't know what they're well, doing well no but i mean yes. you're, you're in new york and first of all there's some fantastic just to give a it'll give again some general knowledge about what you're talking about so the audience would know our listeners is that so the oral maxillofacials, uh, oral maxillofacial doctors or OMF or oral surgeons, another way, some of them have an MD behind their name, some don't. They're all dental trained first. And, you know, when it comes to, for example, if you have an overbite, underbite, fracturing the whole lower face, fixing your teeth, 
sliding out your jawbone and actually fixing facial fractures, they're excellent at. Putting plates in, removing them, and you're right. If there's absolutely no reason to take it out and nothing is bothering you, you can leave it in. But at the same point, too, you know, you're on the East Coast. There was some great doctors that do fillers, whether it's a plastic surgery, derm, oculoplastic surgeon, oral maxofacial, a great nurse. It, you know, it depends on how many, you know, treatments they've done, how good they are. You yeah, know, I mean, sure. the point is you can have a person that is the best trained in the entire world, went to the best schools, but not have the best hands or not have the best eye. You have to exactly. have a good eye when yeah. you're doing this. Yeah, you, you're an artist. Yeah. I say this all the time. The work that you do goes far above and beyond medical scope. This is artistry. If you are not an artist, if it's you so can't- so sweet of you. Thank you. It, it's the truth. It, I, I mean, I know enough to know that I don't know everything, right? And for a doctor, I've been to plastic surgeons that- as good as they are, breast augmentation, liposuction, mommy makeover. Yeah. If you said they're going to touch your face, I'm going to say absolutely not. Not because they don't know what okay. they're doing. It's just not their specific field of expertise. And in fact, I've met people that are celebrity injectors, that are PAs, that are incredible, head of it allergen won. trainers that are better than some of the plastic surgeons I know. But yeah. again, it's all about having that relationship. So what I do know is that if I ever need anything, I'm coming straight to you. I'm not wasting <laughs> my time over here. Uh, then, and when and if I do. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, I don't, Dr. Nassif saved my, my face and my life. So you're in the oh. best hands. Well, you're stretching at that a little bit there. You're, no, it, I'm not. I am not. You definitely did. So now nice you're, to not test positive. Oh, I love that. That's, that's the best thing right there. Now, Zen, acting. Yes. You said you're an actor. What was your first role? What's been your favorite role? Is it fun? Would you like acting or hosting more? All those so, questions. Yeah. So acting is my true passion. I mean, that's everything I've ever aspired mm -hmm. to do. But I think now going into, you know, I'm in my late 30s, going into my 40s, I really love the authority and control I have over the show and being able to meet the most incredible people in the world and pick the most brilliant minds and spend my time learning. Because every day when I interview a specialist or a VIP or a CEO, a top trending celebrity, I learn something every day. And for me, knowledge is power to increase you know, who I'm talking to, to increase my, my contact list, to increase my network, to be seen and heard is invaluable. I love acting. But I have realized that when you're an actor, you don't have the power. You just no. don't. And I'm not at that place in my life where somebody else is going to cast me based on what and if they think I could accomplish. So to answer your question, I love the position I'm in right now as a radio and TV host. It just puts a lot of control into what I can you know, source for myself. But my, of course my passion is acting. I mean, you get up there, you do your thing, you know, whether you're on a theater, on a theater stage or on TV, it's just incredible feeling to be able to have other people be entertained by you. But I think I've been able to take that entertainment and translate it to other avenues of entertainment. And now that social media has prevailed and social media is social selling for me, it doesn't really matter if I'm in front of the camera acting or in front of the camera, um, you know, interviewing because you're still dealing with a huge amount of public when you're inspiring too that's the, yeah. that's the other big thing you have a platform to inspire you know i'm curious what have been some of your like top 
I don't know, three to five favorite segments that you've done or, or shows? So interestingly enough, my favorite segment is my disability awareness segment. I have a lot of segments. I have the cannabis culture segment, the healthy minutes segment, innovation in tech, uh, hello, open metaverse, culinary and wine, the list goes on and on. But the <laughs> disability awareness, that is my favorite segment because now I get to feature voices and human beings that nobody has given a chance to or thinks that they are weaker based on their disability. And when I put them on and they shine and people go, wow, that's a girl with Down syndrome. And she got through a 14 interview, 14 minute interview. And she's a keynote speaker for Google. And she's a Paralympic gold medalist and a 5k runner. And Abigail, the advocate. Yeah, she's somebody incredible. When I put on Ashton Kutcher's twin brother, Michael Kutcher, who is his twin born to cerebral palsy. Nobody knows the story, but okay. yeah, Mike, Michael Kutcher is uh, Ashton Kutcher's twin brother and he has a great story. He's up on Capitol Hill advocating every single day for cerebral palsy funding and getting, you know, getting research and, and uh, funds to the organizations at hand. Um, so for me, being able to uh, demystify the stigmas surrounding different disabilities. It stems from a place of of compassion because what I didn't tell you and what you don't know, and I'll tell you now, is that when I was 22 years old, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and I underwent radioactive iodine treatment I uh, and I lost my eyelashes and my eyebrows and the radiation uh, I ingested isotope 132, which is a, a it's pretty aggressive over the course of three years. And I was told that I would never be able to have kids, that I'm infertile. And at 22 years old, this is it. And I met my husband at 23 and he came with two kids. He had just recently gotten divorced. He's 14 years older than me. We're still married 16 years later. And uh, at 23, I, I meet him and he has a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And I th I'm thinking, this is it. This is my destiny. And we, we're together, we get married, we're still, you know, living life to its fullest. And 10 years later, after we're together, I get pregnant with Alexa and I get pregnant with her. And I'm thinking to myself, this baby's not viable. I've been told I can't have kids. And in my, my first original reaction, Dr. Nassif and Mackenzie was I'm having an abortion because I can't go through a pregnancy that's not viable. I'm just not going to do it. And so in my religion, it's the mother's health first. And so I thought to myself, look, if I'm going to go through this pregnancy and this baby's not viable, I want to terminate now. And in my mind, I set out that the baby's not viable and the pregnancy needs to be terminated. And I was four months pregnant, but I didn't know I was four months pregnant. So I was on the birth control pill and got pregnant, not knowing I was, I had conceived. And when I found out we're well into the first trimester, I had not prepared and I was scared. We went through the genetic testing and my doctor says, Dr. Fader, uh, Samantha Fader says, everything is fine. There's no reason for you to have an abortion. It's up to you, but science indicates this is a healthy pregnancy. So I took a leap of faith. Alexa was born, six pounds, nine, nine ounces, vaginal delivery, no issues, knock on wood. And I started to feel really guilty. I started to think to myself, what an a-hole I am. I almost just had an abortion. Had my doctor not convinced me not to, my first reaction was like, no. And so, and so I get an email from a woman by the handle of laughing after lemons. She says to me, I, I am a survivor of thyroid cancer as a child. I was told I could never have a baby. I got pregnant. They told me the baby was not viable. They told me to have an abortion. He would be born without a heart. She goes, and I decided to keep him. And I gave birth to baby Noah and he was born with half a heart. 
And she goes, and I want to tell my story. And I said, oh my God, what, where, where's baby Noah now? And she said, well, the first heart transplant failed, but the second one was a success. And he has a second lease on life. Baby Noah is now thriving. He's three years old, new heart. But this is a woman with my story. And I was like, I need to feature you and I need to tell your story. And it was very therapeutic and very soothing for me to tell this woman's story who was told she was going to have a baby that's not viable and kept him. And I wanted to see, you know, that through her story. And then I started the disability awareness segment where I feature either a medical mama or a warrior in, in the disability awareness, in the disability community, really doing amazing things. So cerebral palsy, San Filippo syndrome, neuroblastoma cancers, um, anything that's disability awareness we feature. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, the disability aspect, like you said, I mean, one, that's an amazing thing to feature because also, you know, there's always leaps and bounds when we talk about disabilities or on the spectrum. I mean, from the Down syndrome to spectrum-ish, shall we say, findings to other, you know, uh, cerebral palsy, CP, all these things, there's so many things. It's great, especially because it's great to be educated about that. Yeah. And sometimes with the guests that you have, Zen, you may know some of the newer treatments and things like that, you know, but that's interesting. Absolutely. I mean, this is, a, and I don't know if this is really an exciting question, but I assume it's going to be this, what we just talked about, but on your show, your 14 minutes. It's a one hour show, but I have four 14 minute segments. Right. Okay. Four 14 minute segments. Is there one part of each then segment that you really like when you're with the guest or... You just go through the questions and all of it's exciting to you. Yeah, I feel like all of it's exciting to me because these are industries and topics and conversations that are not just new to the audience, but new to me. So for every interview, I have to do a lot of research, prep the questions, and sometimes it's really difficult topics. But I just, I, the whole, I take it as a whole. I treat the whole segment as a 14-minute curated segment on understanding the issues, understanding who I'm interviewing and speaking to a cause, but more importantly, being proactive about whatever stigmas we need to demystify yeah. around that subject. Even, even demystifying the stigmas around beauty, right? Beauty. So all exactly. of it, That's yeah. true. There we go. Yeah. 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 All of it is intertwined. So you have been doing, so when you say acting as an actor, are you still doing that right now also? Or are you just doing this now solely being a mom? You're fully focused. No, no, I'm still acting. I still keep three to four uh, supporting roles a year on the side that I always will undertake. So, for instance, I have a movie coming out with Jamie Foxx called Tin Soldier. It's coming out next year. Mm -hmm. uh, last year, I was in a movie with Samuel L. Jackson called The Banker. The year before that, I was in a movie with Mel Gibson called Last Looks. So every year, there's a, move, a, a huge feature film, something. not a small indie that I do. Yeah. But really, my focus is this right now because yeah. we just have so much going on. And I'm on contract with about a dozen <laughs> brands as a brand ambassador because they are sponsors. So our show is heavily sponsored with anywhere from from on rotation, seasonal, seasonally or not, anywhere from seven to 12 sponsors a year. And the sponsors are all huge brands. So it's, it's a lot of work. It is. And especially now with the strike, there's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really put all of us on on pause. On pause, yeah. And yes. the strike is not going to end anytime soon. It's going no, to it's not. Year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's what, I, that's what I heard about that. As a matter of fact, um, I heard someone asked me this yesterday that Bethany Frankel is trying to put a 
a union for reality. Uh, reality, so correct. Celebrities and stuff. You know, now correct? they're all going to wake up. Yeah, apparently yeah, now they're all going to wake up. Yeah. You know, and, and that what's interesting from my perspective, the the origins of the SAG after strike, and I'm sorry, I know we're totally like segueing here, but I just have to say this: the the origins of the SAG after strike are are completely founded. I mean, I I do feel. Through the years, there have been strikes here and there that you, I know some people might have been like, do we really need this right now? Because it affects so many. But what, what SAG-AFTRA, the writers are fighting for at this moment, are completely founded and a necessity. And things need to change with the, the, the changes of AI, with the changes of how, how the world is changing, how everything is being done. This, this fight needs to happen. And, and everybody does need to band together and, and stand strong. Yeah, I mean, I suggest, um, I, I just did an interview with actor Joshua Molina from Leopold Stadt, West Wing. He's very well known. But I suggested that the eventual strike settlement forbids studios from buying the rights to AI likeness for more than a single film or project. Or, ah. as, a com- or as a compromise, the contract could be for some limited number of projects, but not in perpetuity like they want. And Actors could thus remain in long, long-run control of their AI likeness, but if they wanted to keep selling those likenesses project by project, they could do so. And interestingly, uh, Nielsen Media already releases how many billions of minutes each streamer gets in views, as well as the top 20 shows by billions of minutes watched. The streamers get paid from subscribers regardless of how many people watch per month or year. It's a subscriber model, not an ad-based model. And the reason they are not being transparent about their numbers is because they don't want to disclose how profitable many of these shows actually have been, thereby owing the creators their fair share. So a lot of people are saying they don't want to share their numbers because the numbers are actually really low and they would be embarrassed. No, it's quite the opposite. They don't want to share because now they're going to really have to pay up. So yeah, this is going to go on into the new year. I'm not, you know, enthusiastic about everybody being on pause because yeah. my husband is the biggest independent uh, film producer in the East Coast with Romulus Entertainment producing tons of independent films. Uh, they're currently in pre-production for Killing Castro with Diego, Diego Benetta and Anthony Ramos and Al Pacino, and they have not gotten their SAG waiver yet. Why? Who knows? Because SAG is just playing games, but they're an independent and they have nothing to do with the streamers. So they should be able to go, but they can't. So yeah, it's complicated. The only thing I want to make sure of is then for you to tell everybody where can they find you? Your shows, you, everything. So you tune in every Saturday night um, on 710 WOR, the voice of New York iHeartRadio. We're live every Saturday night. You can check us out on our OTT and OTA platforms Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. But if you head to my social media or to our YouTube channel at ZenSams with an X, not a Z, you could pretty much find us anywhere. You could listen to us. You could hear us. You could engage with us. We're everywhere. And everybody, be sure to check her out. I mean, she's no joke. She is a spitfire, and that's what I love about your show, and that's why I listen. Oh, Dr. Nassif? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be listening. I mean, listen, I, I got to tell you, now since I'm, I spend a lot of time driving back and forth you know, to yeah. uh, Orange County, I will also be listening uh, to these. I'm very excited about that, Zanna. Listen, I want to thank you um, for coming on our show. Absolutely. I learned a lot just by listening to you. Uh, you know, you... <laughs> 
You, you, I told you she's yeah. like ridiculously intelligent. Oh my God! Of course, she, of course she is. <laughs> and and I'll leave you with this before I, I I leave off. So there's three amazing quotes I always have. One is by Winston Churchill. It's oh. the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity, but the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. That's my number one quote. And my second quote is: Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you have to keep moving. That's by Albert Einstein. Love it. Good words. Beautiful. Good, good quotes to end on. Thank you, then, guys. Then you're amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, send us your questions. Listen, follow along, subscribe. Bye. Thank you for listening to Demystify Beauty, produced by Gotham Production Studios. If you have any questions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram at demystifybeauty or email us at demystifybeauty at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. See you next time.